Good morning. Um, so my testimony is a little bit just about of how God brought me here to ESS um, this last year. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, um, attended a church that my grandpa had helped build, um, that my dad later preached at. And after graduating high school, I, I moved out, still attended that church for a little while, and then ended up moving to Missouri. And um, the Lord led me to a church there with a great church family, um, but eventually led me back here to Colorado, where I um, started attending a school and a church in Windsor. Um, and the Lord just did a lot of good works and mighty works through that, and teaching me a lot to um, be found exactly where he wanted me to be. Um, he, during that time, I was learning that I wanted to do missions work. I wanted to go out to China, or I wanted to go to the Philippines. I wanted to go somewhere. I, w I expected myself to be overseas somewhere. Um, I enjoyed moving around. I didn't like staying in one spot. Um, after I graduated high school, I moved almost every two years. Um, but after I had done school there and I interned there, um, I just ended up staying and staying. And I'm like, OK, Lord, when am I going to move on? When do I get to do something else? Um, but he just kept me there, and I'm like, okay. So kept going, and eventually he um, helped me in one of the dreams that I've wanted to do, and that was to go overseas. I'd never done it before, and that was this past year. Um, during that time, he taught me what it meant to see him in a bigger box. He showed me um, that he can heal people and that what prophecy is and what it looked like in the proper light and how the Holy Spirit works. Um, so after my missions trip, I had a long trip back to here to Colorado from California with a friend. And during that time, I just had a lot of time to pray and um, seek the Lord of like what he had done in the Philippines and um, what the next steps were, what he wanted me to do. Because I had been offered a position as an intern in the Philippines with the ministry we were with. And I started preparing for that. And I'm like, okay, I think this is what he's wanting. But like on my journey back, on the drive back, I was praying. He's like, I want you to go to a new church. And I'm like, okay, well, what church do you want me to go to? Um, and so I just spent the next couple months in prayer about it, um, knowing that I was supposed to go somewhere new, and he just kept confirming it through multiple different things. Um, eventually, somebody, I looked up all these different churches online, and I'm like, okay, not none of these are the right ones. Like, I knew it. I looked at them. I read up on them. And eventually, somebody told me about this church called Easis. And I'm like, okay, what is this place? They told me a little bit about it. I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is where I'm supposed to at least go and see what it's about. So I came and I attended it um, September, I believe, of last year. And I, when I walked in the church, the first things that I saw was the Holy Spirit is here and this is family. Like there was this family atmosphere and this love that was there. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> and so I... Um, became more involved still with the the mindset of like okay I'm gonna leave eventually this isn't where I'm gonna be staying for a long time um and after after a while probably about it's recently within the last six months that the Lord was like this is where you're staying like this is this is the place where I want you to be established I want you to be found here um and just something he's been teaching me and the verse that he'd brought to mind for today was um psalms 37 5 that says commit your ways to the lord and he will establish establish your your ways and um that's a verse he's used throughout my life of like commit your ways to me and i will bring it to pass i will make it happen um it's my will it's my job to obey his commandments and to do what he has called me to so just as an encouragement for the body that christ has a purpose for each and every one of us he has the purpose for where he brings us and where he takes us, whether you're staying or you're going, he will establish you where he places you to. So. Too important. God, we need you in ways that I don't even think we really realize. Lord, I just pray for your orchestration, Lord, for your structure, but Lord, for your anointing. God, for your anointing to be here. 
for your for your spirit to just fall on this place even more so God than what is already here because Lord we need you there's nothing there's nothing worth more or anything that could come close to being in your presence Father and God this morning again I just pray we don't miss it you're speaking something to us on an individual level right now Father, that's specific to each one of us, but I believe that there's a corporate anointing this morning as well. That you brought us here for a reason. To hear something, Father, that is supposed to cut through the flesh and get to the spirit. Father, we love you. We need you be in this room. We don't want to move forward without you. So have your way today. In Jesus' name, we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Mm. Was that not good? Oh, I love it. This morning has been an interesting one. Sometimes it starts on Saturday night. (laughs) But when I get up on a Sunday morning, usually I got something prepared for you guys. I do. Uh, But this first service, uh, the Lord kind of smacked me in the face a little bit. And basically just said, everything that you've prepared, brother, I want you to not speak that. (laughs) And that is nerve-wracking. It really is. But it's a really good, it's a good thing. Let me say that. Let me, let me just say it's a good thing. It's not necessarily anything that makes me nervous or I'm afraid or anything like that. Don't want you to get that from me. However, what he wants to do this morning is more important than any kind of information I can give you. Does that make sense? Information is great. I mean, we live in a college town where, I mean, knowledge is king, apparently, you know? But what you do with that information is huge. It's no different in the church. It's no different when I get up here on a Sunday and and I preach and I say, and uh, excuse me, we open up the word and you get to hear what God is saying, looking at what, again, he's saying and not what I'm saying. But what we do with that information, you walk out of this building today, a changed individual, uh, is most important, not only to me, but to the spirit. Not only to me, but to God. Because I'll tell you what. uh, There's no amount of self-help books that are going to get you out of what you're in. (laughs) There's no amount of sitting down, I'm sorry to say this, talking with somebody about your problems that's going to get you over the hump. The thing that is going to pull you out is Jesus Christ. The thing that is going to pull you out is the Holy Spirit. And if there is no room to let him move, then we have an issue. We're trying to control things. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And I don't want to do that this morning. So, I just want to let you know that um, off of kind of what was spoken last week, and I'm going to use the intro to get into kind of what God is is speaking this morning. We are going to read the scripture because there's some things in the scripture that are pertaining to the left turn that the Lord is kind of asking me to make. Um, And I'm going to actually have Beck have a chance to come up here and speak as well because I believe he's got a piece of this. What I didn't do the first service, and it was a learning experience for me, was he said, look, take, take what you're preaching and just set it over here and I want you to say what you need to say. Well, I made the mistake of, of thinking that I was the only one the Lord could speak to about bringing something to you this morning. And I just should have asked. Beck is my associate pastor. And there's times because we are the fivefold and we rely on all five, not just one. Everything doesn't come down on just the pastor. Thank God. You got the pastor, the apostle, the teacher, the evangelist, and what's the last one? Prophet. I remembered before I had to have somebody tell me. That's why I asked. I got nervous there for a second. (laughs) Yeah. All five. To build the body of Christ. So Beck, at some point, I'm going to ask him to come up here, wherever he is. He might be downstairs. I'm looking at the, the wife. 
Yeah, you got the child. It's good. Don't know where the husband is. It's because the, oh wait, he's in the back. I see him. Anyways, so I'm going to get into this intro and um, we're going to see what this scripture says. Uh, and it's going to, hopefully it's, it's all going to fall into line. Amen? So here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. Pray for me while I'm preaching that it just comes out the way it's supposed to because uh, I don't want to mislead you and I don't want to take you down some path that isn't what the Lord is saying. But uh, we, we got off of chapter 8 and Paul left us at basically the mountaintop of uh, love when it comes to our connection with the Lord. In verse 28, he says, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Now, to me, it's like, oh, thank God. Anything that I have ever done, any, anything that is outside of what the Lord has asked me to do or says or speaks to us um, in his word, the way that we're supposed to live our lives, anything outside of that, what he's basically saying, Paul says, there's nothing on this, this green earth that can put a wedge or drive a wedge between the way the Father loves his children. And as a result of that, what should we do? Love him in return. As best as we can. But we pulled out from that that this love is the agape love. It's the deepest form of love that exists. It's not brotherly love. It's not um, romantic, uh, acquaintance, any of that stuff. It's not that. Uh, it's, it's unconditional. Now, if you want to ask, if you want to love somebody, ask the Lord to show you how to love them the way, or excuse me, how to see them the way that he sees them, and then that love will come. Does that make sense? So we get off of that into Paul not necessarily changing the narrative in this book, but Paul now starts to talk about the condition of Israel. And we see in those first five verses, and this is what I spoke about last week, that Paul's sorrow went so deep for Israel because Israel was blatantly walking away from Christ. Now, I'll tell you what, I've seen people in my life do that. I'm sure people have seen in their life me do that. But the sorrow that was produced in Paul said this, let me stand in the gap. Don't let your wrath come down on those people. Let it come down on me. Now, that's a huge statement. Now, I'm, I said this last week, I'm not a parent. I don't have children. But I'm sure there's times where those of you who do have kids in here would want you, would want yourself to stand in the gap and take the pain, whatever the pain is, so that your child did not have to go through that. The love that Christ has for us goes way even deeper than that. But Paul is now the example of the agape love we just got done talking about at the end of chapter 8. He's the manifestation of it. He's, the, again, the example of it. And then I brought you to Moses in Exodus 32 as he got down the mountain and saw the people who built a golden calf. And they were worshiping this calf and basically walking away from the Lord. He dropped to his knees and spoke to God and said, if you blot anyone out, blot me out and not these people. Let me stand in the gap for these people. Now here's the interesting part. And I didn't say this last week and I don't know why I didn't, but I'm saying it today. Those are two examples of fleshly men, all right, who died and they are still dead. Does that make sense? Moses is dead and gone. Paul's dead and gone. Who else do we know of who has stood in the gap? Thank you. Jesus himself, the best representation of this agape love, saw the separation that was created by sin and said, hey, look, I'm not only going to have a desire to stand in the gap, but I'm going to finish the job. And what was finishing the job? Finishing the job wasn't just hanging on the cross. Finishing the job wasn't just getting beaten. Finishing the job wasn't just getting, watch this, beaten beyond recognition. We're not talking about, hey, slap on the wrist, paper cut under the fingernail. <laughs> that hurts. Stub the toe, right? No. This man hung on the cross, flesh everywhere, blood everywhere. He didn't just stop there. You know what he did? He walked up out of the tomb. So he finished the job. 
call is this representation of this agape love and this sorrow, but I don't want us to move from that scripture into this scripture until we understand that, amen, Paul, amen, Moses, but hallelujah, Jesus. You with me this morning? Good. So, what I believe that the Lord has spoken to me before I read this, this left turn, is it came by way of Charisse when she was up here giving her testimony. She used a word that just lit something in me. Um, I talked to you last week about intimacy, right? The only way Paul could get to that place with Israel, walking away from the Lord and having a sorrow so deep that he said, let me stand in the gap, was because of his intimacy with the Lord. And I called y'all out last Sunday and just said, man, I think the Lord's calling us to a deeper level of that. Um, and that played itself out in, in Sunday evening as well. Which I'm going to say this. Y'all want to get into some deep stuff with Jesus? Come to Sunday night. It's, I'm going to say it's a shameless plug, but it's not shameless at all. I'm the head guy. I'm just saying, hey, come on. Come back. It's a... It's a intimate time with the Lord, individual time with the Lord that we share corporately, if that makes sense. So, off that, back to the message. Uh, the word that Therese used was this word called established. And so often, ladies and gentlemen, this day and age, I feel like, and you can see it's not even a feeling, that we compromise on the truth just a little bit one day. And then the next day, we're just, oh, just maybe another half inch. We're off. And then a week goes by, and we find ourselves five or six inches off because the accumulation of inches. So I'm just using, I'm going with the analogy. Just going with it. By the time you know it, four or five months down the road, you're way over there, and you don't even recognize it. You don't even recognize where you're at. I don't even recognize where I'm at. Because we have compromised on something very small day to day. I believe this morning that the Lord wants to reestablish or establish his children according to his promise, number one, but number two, according to who he is in his character. And I'm saying, let's come back to the gospel. We can have so many different messages on a Sunday morning that don't come from the word. And honestly, I'm getting convicted even as I'm saying this. I need to shut up and I need to go read the word. Because you didn't come here to hear me talk. <laughs> you came here to listen to the, the scripture, right? But if we're not talking about the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, what are we doing? I can come up with a great uh, title and awesome cross-references and just great analogies. But if it's void of the gospel and it's void of what we've been established in and to stand on, then we get tossed here and there by every wave, wind, and doctrine. By the trickery and craftiness and deceitful scheming of men. I'll tell you what, I'm sick and tired of being pushed around by my emotions. <laughs> Anyone else? No? I'm sick and tired of being pushed around by what happens to me in a day that I have to fight so dang hard to get back to what's right. Why don't I just stay there? You know? I think that that's a real and tangible thing by way of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, I'm going to read this scripture and I'm going to give you a little bit of how the Lord has brought out one specific thing to me that I have to, I feel as though I have to give to you. Now, Beck did a great job closing the service, last service, with his piece that I feel like needs to come quicker. So after I read this and kind of speak to you, I'm going to bring him up and he's just going to give to you uh, basically what his anointing from the office of the teacher has. So this is 6, chapter 9, Romans 9, 6 through 13. We all good? We okay? Yeah? You can relax now. I mean, that was the, the weird part. I always say certain things and I see the, the butts shifting in the seats. You know, you guys. Yeah, I just need to start reading. I need to stop speaking. Here we go. Verse 6, it says this, But it is not as though the word of God has failed. 
For they are not all Israel who are descendants from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is, catch this one, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. For this is the word of uh, excuse me, for this is the word of promise. At this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebekah also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger, just as, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now this set of scripture comes by way of, again, Paul's sorrow towards Israel. Because Israel, and I think I might have alluded to this earlier, they have been given a huge privilege. Let's call it that. Huge privilege, huge honor, and responsibility. And it's basically to be an example of how God uses a nation, how God loves a nation. And that nation is responsible for bringing the gospel to the rest of the world. That's the call on Israel. And guess what Israel did? Beep. I'm good. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to uphold the law to the letter and not have anything to do with who? The Messiah. With Jesus. So they said, we'll take the book, but we don't want to take the man that the book speaks about. And that's where Paul's sorrow came from. Uh, have you ever seen somebody walk away from Jesus? Why is it that we can't have that same sorrow for each other? But again, I don't want to go off on that tangent. This set of scripture comes from that. So what Paul does is the very first thing out of his mouth, he says, the word of God is the word of God. Don't you for one second think that there's anything from Genesis to Revelation that doesn't apply to you, that doesn't apply to us. Now, I'll tell you what, that's, that's scary. I got to get you right in two seconds. Because <laughs> we, we can't have this a la carte Christianity or faith. I'm going to take some of this. I don't like that. This over here looks good. Let's roll. That just doesn't work. How's that working out for you? Let me ask that one. <laughs> but then he uses these two examples with Isaac and uh, Ishmael, and then Jacob and Esau. And I'm going to let Beck uh, kind of get us into this. But he uses these examples in a way that basically says this off of verse 6. Uh, that there is not only nothing on this earth that will separate us from the love of God, but anything and everything that comes out of his mouth and what is spoken to us will never move. Ever. Now you know what I love about that? Is that the things that he said about you will never move. Regardless of how you feel. Regardless of what you're going through. Regardless of the ups and the downs. He's saying, you're my child and there's nothing that can stop that. There's nothing that will stop me accomplishing my work in you. Let me read this cross-reference one uh, uh, real quick before I let you do your thing. But it's in uh, Philippians 1.6. And I want y'all to really grab a hold of this. It says this, For I am confident, Philippians 1.6, of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So what you're going through right now, as painful as it is, or as great as it is, or you have no idea, we're kind of just floating, there's nothing that the Lord says that doesn't have purpose to it. Your, mo your life right now has purpose to it. There's purpose in it, in this moment. And if you go back to Isaiah 55, verse 11, it's, I, I paraphrase it when I quote it most of the time, but it says, the word should never return void. 
It's always going to go out and accomplish what it's set out to. And there will be success in it. Do you know that that word is also in you? The things that he said to you. It will go out and it will accomplish its work in you. So I'm just saying is, as, as lost as you might feel, as found as you might feel, he's working right now because he said so. Let's get back to being established by that and not how I feel about God today. Not how I feel about my circumstance today. But I'll say, I'll say this. The Lord wants to meet you in your feelings. He wants to meet you in your pain and say, guess what? You might not have all the answers, but I do. You may not know right now, but I do. But just let me in. Just let me, let's, let's, let's talk, okay? But whatever you do, don't, just don't push me out. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and pass this, this microphone. Are you good? Yeah. All right. Um, there is a governing law over all of reality. Now, this law is separate from us and that we don't get to dictate it in any way. Some call this the meaning of life. Some call this the truth. But the important thing for you to understand, regardless of what you call it, is that we don't affect it. It affects us, watch this, regardless of what we believe or think about it. The word in the scriptures, is, is, this is called the law or the nature of God. I believe that this law has a mind. And the scripture is the revealing of this nature, character, and law of God through us. And he does it in a marvelous way. One of the credence of this law, or if you will, a sliver of the pie of the entire character of God, is called this overcoming of sin. Okay, the law of sin. We here at ESS believe in a Christocentric view of the Bible, in that every line of Scripture is about Jesus, and every line of Scripture is revealing him to us. There is no portion of the Bible that should be laid waste because it's just historical or just boring or, gosh, the language is so funky. We don't want to read it. The whole word is nourishment for us because it reveals to us this law that's over us all the time. I want to talk to you today, and according to this scripture along with Alex, a portion of that reality of that law. This is the law of the second or the reborn. Abraham believes in a promise, and then he tries to take that promise into his own hands. We call this a work. And he has decided that he is going to take this birth of a child that the Lord has asked him to partake in and put it into his own hands. He sleeps with a servant, and then Ishmael is born. He is the firstborn. But the promise resides with the second. Now watch this. This promise holds true throughout all of the scripture and in your life. Jacob has a son, has a set of twins. His first son is named Esau. Big, ruddy, warrior character. Good at works. Very physical in nature. Pleases his father. But the second, his name is Jacob. He's the heel grabber. He has, um, or sorry, did I say Jacob? Isaac has this kid. And Jacob is the heel grabber. The promise lies with the second son. Jacob was loved by the Lord. In the beginning, there was a man named Adam. Adam means dirt or earth. The first Adam was designed to praise the Lord, and what happened? He fell. And we say in the scripture in the New Testament that Jesus is the second Adam. That the very fulfillment of the pleasure of Adam that was going from Adam to the Lord wasn't fulfilled by Adam, and so it was fulfilled by the second Adam, Jesus. Did you know that you have a firstborn nature? It's born under the law of God. And the Lord despises that nature and requires for it to be put to death and you to be reborn, born again, or born a second time. In baptism, we go away with the old and we are reborn into newness of life. The Lord took on the sins of the world and he perished in death and what he resurrected in newness the second day. 
or the third day, pardon me, for the, for the second time. There's a principle that Paul is bringing to this Jewish people about the covenant and sovereignty of God. God has made a promise with himself, and it is this, I cannot lie. And so what I put out there to be done, it must be done, regardless of our sin or pushing or, or stiff-arming against him. Now, this is the last point for this, um, this is my point of this sermon. When we fail the first time, our first Adam, if you will, the old man, as the scripture describes, it fails, and we become aware of that failure. We feel so bad. Guilt overwhelms us. We want to serve the Lord, but we realize we just can't. Paul goes through this. The very thing I want to do, I don't know why I cannot do. He's struggling with his old first Adam nature. But when he's reborn, we realize that we occasionally sin. Do you guys still sin even though you have reborn your, or been reborn in the Lord? Absolutely. This leads us to distrust. We can't trust our new nature. And as a result, we let logic lead us away from truth to say we must not be able to trust God. Because this new nature, this re-being reborn, this baptism we partook in, isn't working in our fleshly body. The truth is, if we continue to kill our flesh, if we continue to take our cross up daily, if you and I would continue to die to ourselves, just like the scripture says in Romans, that the younger, the second would be over the first, which is not true to Jewish custom. The oldest son, I'm the oldest son, I thought that was cool. The oldest son is served by his younger siblings. But in the order of God, it's all upside down. The second is served by the older. That your reborn nature would be served by its flesh. That's why Paul says, I make my flesh my slave. It obeys me as I obey God. I want to encourage you today that this is not only a biblical truth and a historical truth, it's a personal truth to you. And this is a truth that is immovable and unshakable regardless of your perception of it. Dare I say, this is the very character of God. Had we yield to it, if we bend our knee to this truth, what would be the result personally and corporately together? Yeah. Thank you for that. Round of applause, maybe? Maybe? Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. You guys get that? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things that Beck said that got me was that what Paul is trying to communicate here through this scripture going back historically is saying, look, this is not only the will of God, it's the love of God. So, bend your knee to it. Take it upon yourself to submit to Christ. Because I tell you what, if he's going to get what he wants out of us, <laughs> I'd rather him do it when I'm willing <laughs> rather than when I'm not willing. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to like scare you or anything. Please, no, that's not, that's, that's not what we preach here at all. But what it is to say is the establishing is by way of truth. The establishing is not by way of feelings. The establishing is not by way of experiences. The establishing is not by way of things that we've been through, good or bad. The establishing is by way of what he says, not only about you, but himself. And what he says, we should say about ourselves. Does that make sense? Now, sometimes services run together for me. And I think I say one thing in one service, and I ended up saying it at the beginning of the same service, and I end up repeating myself. But, and I hope I didn't say this yet. But the crap that you say to yourself on a daily basis that isn't from him, I'm asking you right now to stop it. Like sometimes you just need somebody to say, hey, look, quit it, cut it out, get it out of here. The narrative that goes on between your ears about how you're not this, you're not that, you don't have this, there's not enough for that, just stop. 
I love uh, Bill Knox. Some of you guys have had a chance to experience him. He's the guy who walks in the office of the prophet with us, but he's in Ireland. Um, and he just, he put it out very simply. Man, if you have a bad thought, just have another thought. <laughs> So simple in his little Irish accent. I'm not even going to try to reproduce it because I'll mess it up. I'll sound Mexican and African, all that craziness, all right? I'm just not even going to go there. <laughs> but at what point do you live like a, children of, a child of the promise and not a child of the flesh, not a child of the, the stuff that is literally weighing you down even before you came in here? You are not the sum of your sin. You're not. Sin is something that needs to be uh, dealt with, and Christ does that. Okay, We can't push that one to the side. But what I am saying is if his promises are so concrete, if his word is so concrete, if what he says about you and himself and us is so concrete, then ladies and gentlemen, why don't we think the same thing? Why don't we live the same way? To where I walk into a building, and it's not, and I've said this before, it's not that you walk in there with some spiritual cockiness. That's not it. But nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Therefore, who can be against me? Nobody. If he is for you, who can be against you? Those are two scriptures, right? Why don't, why don't we think that? Why don't we say that stuff? Instead of all the other, whatever, cyclical destructive thinking. Are you with me this morning? The Lord wants to establish you in that. Uh, not tomorrow. Not when you feel good about it. <laughs> Walk out of here and reflect on what has been said by me and Beck and all of a sudden get to a place where you say, okay, I think I'm ready for this. No, 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 no. I'm saying the Lord wants to establish you in that right now. Right now. Now there were a few scriptures that were given to me last in between services um, that came from my brother Luke that I believe just need to be read about how God does it. Now when I say does it, I'm saying that he takes care of it. I'm saying that he will not let you fall. He will not leave you without. He pulled the Israelites out of bondage. Anybody in here ever been in bondage? Like, feel like you've been a slave to something? Oh, Sucks your energy right out. He pulls the Israelites out of this slavery. Brings them into the wilderness. They were only supposed to be there for 40 days. They were there for 40 years because they're crazy and just didn't want to <laughs> do what God asked them to do. I'm good. 40 days is still a long time to do anything. I can hardly ride across the state being a car for 40 minutes, let alone be somewhere for 40 days. Come on. That was supposed to be funny, but you guys didn't like it. <laughs> That's okay. But in the wilderness, they were provided with food. Their sandals never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. They had a cloud by day to protect them from the heat and a pillar of fire by night to protect them from the cold. And here is a body of people that walked the opposite direction. How much more do you think that if you walk, walk the opposite direction, that Christ isn't going to come after you? He's always after his children. Uh, are you with me? Exodus 6. I'm just going to read this real quick. Exodus 6. And you just keep saying the address until you flip to it to fill the time. Exodus 6. Uh, verse 6 through 8. It says this. Say, therefore, to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from their bondage and I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from underneath the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham. There's the promise, Isaac and Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Hey, I am the Lord. And you know what he says in here? I will make sure that you know that I am your God. <laughs> you know what that means? The moments we start to get off track and we find ourselves an inch today, an inch tomorrow, an inch a week from now, and 
40 feet left in two months. He says, I'm still your God. You are a child of the promise, not of the flesh. So stop thinking like it. <laughs> Makes me want to just like, I don't know, run up and down the aisle because I'm all excited. Uh, one day somebody's going to do a backflip just in the middle of the sermon. I'm just going to do it. But here's, here's another scripture. Real quick. I got time. I'm good. I always feel like I'm rushing, but I got time. Um, uh, James 1.18. Am I correct in saying that? James 1.18? Oh, it says this. In the exercise of his will. God's will. He brought us forth by the word of, here we go, truth. So that we would be a king, excuse me, a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Being established in the truth. According to his will. So that we would be a kind of first fruit among his creatures. I always like using this analogy because it's just cool. And I use it all the time. A tree doesn't struggle to be a tree. It just doesn't. It's not out there thinking that it's a bush or it is a python or, you know, trying to slither. Uh, hey, get off the ground, tree. You're a tree. <laughs> his creation. It's this scripture saying that we are to be first fruits among his creation. Saying that uh, tree doesn't struggle to be a tree because it's been created to be that. If you've been created to be a child of God, why do we struggle to be that? He is going to know every sparrow that drops onto the ground. That's scripture as well. He takes care of his creation. How much more do you think he's going to take care of you? Do not let the narrative say, the struggle is real and it's too real. God doesn't care. Get that out of here. He is trying to pull you through the eye of the needle. He's trying to refine you and bring you to a place where, like it said at the end of Philippians 1, uh, was it 16? That he will accomplish his work. It's all for a purpose. It's all for a purpose. You guys get that this morning? Let's uh, get ready to close today. Let's get the worship person back up here and get ready for our offering. But Isaiah 55... I just want to read it because I don't want to paraphrase it. It's going to be the closing of this. It's Isaiah 55, 11. And it says this, So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth, and it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. There's been things spoken about you. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you should get on your knees and ask God about, hey, what are you saying about me? Let me, let me know something. There's something that the Lord has said to me a uh, long time ago, and it's prevailed in every situation. He said, son, I'm going to make a way for you. In every situation, that's... That's what's happened. And it's been humbling. Because there's been times where I walk away trying to make it work myself. And he says, look, man, that's not what I said. Because it's going to be according to my will. And what came out of my mouth will, will accomplish its purpose. And there will be success in it. There's a coming back to the truth that maybe needs to happen today. I don't even want to say maybe. I'm saying it needs to happen. I want to beat around the bush with that one. But the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, that if it's not about the gospel, what are, we, what are we preaching? What is the gospel? That somebody loved you enough to see the separation and sacrifice himself for you. And to love him in return for that. To kind of say, uh, did he overpay for what he's getting in return? Man. I hope not. So let's come forward. Let's let's take up this offering. And uh, we will continue to close the service.
So Father, thank you for what you're doing this morning. Lord, thank you for your word and just how amazing it is. The things that you speak to us in it. Father, we just ask for just a joyful heart as we give in this time of giving. And uh, Lord, just release to you what is yours so that we can bless you and use what you give us to uh, continue to keep the lights on. So Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. You can go ahead and pass that. See the difference between Ishmael and Isaac and Jacob and Esau uh, by way of what Beck explained to us. The latter will serve the former. The second, Adam. Let me say it like this. Um, and thank you. He's moved us from Ishmael to Isaac. From children of the flesh to children of the promise. He's moved us from Esau to Jacob. That the, 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 the latter will, will serve the former. And what this means is that, again, we are children of the promise. But our experiences communicate in such a way that we're children of sin or we're children of the flesh or we're children of the moments in your life where man uh, it's been the hardest thing you've ever been through you are not a children or a product of that moment does that make sense you're a child of the promise and the Lord if he wants to restore he will restore but he cannot fix something we want to keep broken Restoration can happen. But he's a gentleman about it, which is great. <laughs> so this morning, uh, why don't we just stand up as we, as we kind of close in worship. And I'm going to say this, that maybe there's something in this message that has moved you or I keep talking about this children of the promise business and you're like, what does that even mean? I have no clue. Or you feel as though the Lord's pushing you to a place where, hey, you've never asked the Lord into your heart as your Lord and personal Savior, praying that prayer, and today's the day you want to do that for the first time. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something that's come out of my mouth or something that has been spoken from the Scripture that's moved you to that point. And I just want to give room for the Lord to do what He wants to do in that moment or with that, do something with that. So let's just pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing today. And Lord, that uh, it's amazing to me that you know the condition of each one of our hearts. Uh, I even have a hard time knowing the condition of my own heart. Lord, and you know the condition of all mankind's heart. Everybody in this room. And Lord, there might be somebody in here who you have moved to a place where they're saying, look, I don't want to be on the outside. I don't want to be disconnected. I don't want there to be any kind of separation anymore. But I want to know for sure that Jesus is my Lord. And you've brought them to a place, Lord, where they understand the, the, the gap that sin has created. But what you did on the cross closed that gap and brought in essence, reconciliation between God and man. But Lord, you say to us that in, in the Word, all we need to do is confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that's it. It's that simple. What that does is it allows us to transfer our, our head knowledge to heart knowledge. We don't just know things about Christ, but man, we know in our knower about Christ. <laughs> And it translates to our feet. So, Lord, if there's anybody in here today who wants to make that leap for the first time and say yes to Jesus, God, I just pray that they put their hand up. And we'll pray with them and welcome, welcome them in. But if that's you today, don't miss this opportunity. Just throw that hand up. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Father, thank you for what you're doing uh, in this church, not only within the walls, but without or outside of the walls, Lord, that you've told us that we don't have to do this Christian thing by ourselves, that we need each other. And discipleship is of the utmost importance to you. Why? Because you took 12 and you changed the world. But Lord, what does it mean 
to be a, a follower of Christ. I'm not talking about being a Christian. What does it mean to follow you truly? God, I pray that the desire in us to figure that out and see what your word says grows. It just grows. And as iron sharpens iron, we can sharpen each other. Friends can sharpen friends. So Lord, this morning as we close, God, there's a transition, I think, that you want to have happen. Where we believe that we are no longer the Ishmael. We are no longer the Esau. But Lord, we're the, we're, we're the Isaac and the Jacob. And so, Father, as we sing this song, we just we want to sing with that in mind. The transition. Just saying, Holy Spirit, come and push out anything that is not of you. So, Lord, we make this our prayer as we leave this place. As we sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Everybody said, amen. You guys are free to go.